The Giant. Thinkers. Giant Thinkers Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. Hello, wonderful listeners. Welcome to the third episode of the Giant Thinkers podcast. I've been tossing and turning over the last few weeks in excitement with this upcoming guest. He's one of the most established designers in the world and one of the most awarded, including D&D, Art Directors Club New York and Tokyo, the Society of Publication Designers New York, and Agda Australia. He's the founder of a world-renowned studio. He's even an executive committee member of D&D and a member of Alliance Graphique Internationale Switzerland. In this episode, we cover plenty of explosive content. We talk about what it takes to start a business from getting business coaching to being agile, adaptable, and creating systems. We cover idea generation, facilitating client needs, finding opportunities for them, and putting clarity in complex situations. We chat about tea addictions, his book recommendation, and what his day entails. Now, if all that still doesn't get you excited, here's a quote from the man himself when I asked what type of person he enjoys working with the most. He said, someone who can move mountains, believes the impossible is possible, someone with an open mind and who is determined to find the ultimate solution. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the CEO and ECD of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. Thank you for donating your time to hop on the Giant Thinkers podcast. Uh, There's plenty we can learn from. And uh, to kick things off, a little icebreaker question. Have you got a secret habit or strange ritual that not many people know about? God, that's a great way to start. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally thinking. Throw you off. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, strange habit. I have plenty, if you ask my partner, she, she'll say I have plenty of... She'll um, give you a list? Yeah, she'll give you a list. Perhaps um, do, you, do you sing in the shower or wear uh, lucky socks or anything like that before a meeting? Uh, nothing like that. Nope. Okay. Um, <laughs> Pretty straight. There was a phase where I was just wearing black t-shirts all the time for, okay. for years on end, but that's, um, I've now discovered color. So that's not one. Um, I drink a lot of green tea. Okay, good. Yeah. Five to six cups a day. Wow. Um, and I, yeah, I just like that. That's my, I get addicted to things. Yes. This time it's green tea. Green tea is the thing. It's been tea before. It's been, you know, lots of other things. So Unreal. I do have certain things I need around me. I've had a watch for you know twenty years that I always have to wear. Um, you know, moleskin notebooks, Alami pencils, you know, things like that that just are kind of part of my kind of my kit, as it were. Yeah, a bit of a system. Yeah, yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah. Uh, now, can you tell us where you're from and what kind of kid you were growing up? Okay, well, I was born in England, grew up in Canada, uh, been all over the place, really, back to England again, and now in Australia kind of kid I was, was very, um, I guess, very shy, very, very questioning, but um, quite reserved in a lot of ways, physically, outwardly. Um, but, you know, I was very active, loved sports, loved being outside, nature, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, 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 um, yeah, it's, I'd say I'd be, I was very physical, mm-hmm. uh, doing sports and Any ru- sport running. in particular? Or? I love running and I, and I love running as a kid. I, long distance running was my thing. And, uh, 
I would love just go running out to the hills, the mountains, kind of alone and kind of just getting out with Mike's nature and just, you know, just, just running just for the sheer pleasure of running, really. And this was in Canada? In Canada, then in England. And then and in England. Obviously now. Yeah. Now to a lesser extent. Right, right. Uh, now, where would you say your expertise lies? Expertise probably lies in more around, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say specifically graphic design. I think that's where I obviously started uh, working under that kind of label, as it were. But m- much more around kind of helping people be the best at what they can be. And that's businesses, uh, large and small, charities, all the way through big corporations. So it's really important for me to be able to add strategic kind of business advice uh, through kind of design thinking, which helps to elevate their potential. Yeah. Nice way of putting it. Um, and how did you get started in, in this area? I got started through kind of, I guess, a uh, uh, couple of wrong turns. And then I kind of discovered design school. I uh, also discovered at the time I wasn't very good at graphic design. I didn't have a, port- a graphic designer's portfolio coming straight out of um, high school. But what I, it did open up doors to me in terms of kind of going to do a um, foundation course where I, I discovered um, fashion, product design, graphic design was part of it, animation, photography, et cetera. That, all that really opened up my world to the world of creativity and the diversity that that has opportunities within that. Um, after a little while, I kind of felt much more of a, an affinity with graphics because it felt like it's something I could easily do by myself. Um, and, and I just kind of latched onto that and kind of, for me, it was just like, oh my God, this is the thing that I'm meant to be doing. And ever since then, it's been growing from that point. As an extension of, of what you just said there, it, is there a person, uh, I mean, who or what inspired you to pursue your dream? Uh, I'm not sure it was a dream. I just think, you know, is this your angle? You want it to be a dream? I can turn it into a dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess the two different things. Uh, to pursue your calling, let's, let's say. Yeah. I mean, it, no one specifically, I guess. I mean, I discovered people that I, who I like their work of later, later on. But the, the, the core design occupation and potential was, was not really about a person. It was more about me being able to make stuff. And that's something which I just, I think all of us are born to do. And that was, I found that kind of as an outlet for me that just felt quite comfortable and felt, felt right. It really felt like you, know, you tingled with the idea that this was the thing you're meant to have been doing, you know? And then over time, you, you get exposed to, there is a whole world of that out there. I, I just thought it was just like a, a thing I did down in my design school. It wasn't really a big world uh, occupation. And I didn't even know about anybody who was doing this for a living, uh, let alone what that would look like. And there's people like Neville Brody uh, at the time who was doing Face magazine that I saw his work in every newsagent. And I thought, my God, that looks cool, as it's meant to have done. And I was attracted to that at publication designs. I was attracted to um, Fabio, um, not Fabio, uh, Fabian Barron in New York, his work on uh, Harper's Bazaar magazine. Really, really found that inspiring. And I found it just like so beautiful thing, such a beautiful thing to look at, even though it was a woman's magazine. Hmm. I was obsessed with the typography, the photography, the, the, the art quality of the art direction, the advertising at the weight of uh, each monthly issue. And I just was uh, inspired by the fact how that was brought to life, however way it was. Um, and there's people like Alan Fletcher uh, in Pentagram London, who I end up working with in, in London. And uh, it, it, 
it exposed me to people as I as I've gone on. I mean, today and every day you meet new people, and and it's kind of a growing and exciting kind of industry. And you know, it's it's uh, it's not just a career for a young person. It's not just a you know college project. It's something that you can do your whole life. And and thankfully, it's something which continues to grow and inspire you as you go. Yeah. Now you have a flourishing business uh, that once was uh, Frost Design alone, uh, yep. now referred to as Frost Collective, which has three sort of segment counterparts. Can you share to us about uh, what inspired you to build this business? Well, I've always wanted to grow the business, Frost Design. Um, and I, over, over time, in the last 25 years, I've been thinking about different ways of, of, of doing that. And it's something that, you know, you get very busy with your working with your clients on a, on a daily basis. You get consumed by the great projects you're working on. And like most designers and most design companies, you kind of take your eye off of your own brand and the potential growth of that, that business, apart from just getting in there and getting stuff done. I decided to be much more proactive. I took some business coaching courses. I took some, I had a mentor. Uh, I really focused on evolving myself into a true CEO of my business versus being the creative director of my business and kind of majority owner of my business. I thought I need to just kind of own this. I need to, need to ensure that I was in control of the destiny of this business and to help it have much more of a, a vision and a, and a direction and something that was actually focused on achieving growth and success for that business proactively. Because previously, previously it was purely working on being reactive to what was coming coming our way and, and situations that were in the business. So it was very much based on uh, uh, focusing on, on working on the business as opposed to in the business. And when I was doing that, I was working on the vision, the working on the values, uh, what we stand for, uh, where we're going, etc. At the time, uh, I had the opportunity to look at growing our digital offer within our business. And previous, previous to this, I'd, I'd had a, a digital team that kind of we started, we brought in and kind of didn't work out very well. And what we looked at was bringing in, um, acquiring a digital company, and we call it, was, was, which is The Nest. Uh, they've been going for about three years and, and doing very well, mostly in the cultural sector. And we decided to kind of purchase them and bring them into our business. Now, I could have at the time said, okay, that's just Frost Digital. That becomes under the Frost Design umbrella. But I also find, as much as I find graphic design a limited term, I find design, you know, Frost Design was potentially limited because it was known as graphic design. And when you bring another entity such as uh, another, sorry, another specialist skill such as digital, I thought it was important to look at, do we keep the nest as, as a brand? And, and I think that's where I decided to do that. Hmm. Then looked at the whole business and going, well, actually, there's another very strong specialist area, which is the environmental design side of our business, which right now is getting a bit confused with the strategic branding part of our business and all the other design that we do within that, and decided to separate that and create a new brand, a new name for that, which is Urbanite. It's not to kind of create silos by any means. It's about actually having these three genuine businesses working under the Frost Collective in a very open and transparent way where they share skills, they share clients, and, and they do it with very much um, a, a simple way as possible. Now, there's a great benefit to our clients because we are um, three specialist businesses that are working together for their efforts, kind of very much a 360 approach to doing work for them very well and doing it very um, seamlessly across the project. 
Mm. And setting that up for the future of other growing or acquiring other businesses going forward, which will be under the Frost Collective, other businesses that will be a benefit to the to the to the collective um, output and uh, resources, etc. Yeah, I think um, it's you found a way to accommodate for the, I guess, the influx of work, but also the capacity in which your offering was producing. And also, I liked how you mentioned you merged into whether it was inevitable or not working on the business rather than for the business i think that's really important because as a designer it can be quite reactive and consuming of time especially when you're 100 percent hands-on and just almost trying to squeeze in the the business side of things uh in terms of whether it's marketing or doing the finances absolutely and the business decisions, I think uh, that's where, where I'm personally at with, with creating a brand for myself and, and I'm sure others listening are in that same position, whether they're a one-man band or have uh, certain small teams starting out. Uh, is there any advice you can give about the business side of things? Because I think we had a chat about this, um, I think, uh, over an interview on my blog about that. And I'd, I'd love for you to kind of explain your growth on not being so aware of how important it is to now kind of going, okay, look, it is an equally important part of being a successful designer or, or, uh, you know, creative. I, th I think, yeah, I mean, I think there's a difference when you're a, a creative working for an organization, which when you actually own it, or if you're, mm. you know, a freelance designer or someone who's starting out, you know, a, a, like I did in the very beginning where I was just one person, you know, I started off in my spare room and, and I, I guess quite naively thought I was a business. And I, and I, I was a business. I had a, an identity, I had a phone number. I had a, at that time, we didn't have websites, but that was soon to come. I can, again, I guess it kind of taught me that, uh, well, it's actually it's taught me then, but it's looking back in hindsight, is, is that it's taken me 20 plus years to realize how business works. And, and I really wish, although I don't regret anything, I really wish that I had been taught and had been exposed to um, running a design business and anyway, someone like myself kind of starting out and how to do it best, which is the question you're asking me. Mm. I guess the, the key question, the key thing is to, to have a, a, a plan. And so many of us credit people to start a business because we're good at doing something. We're good at the technical side of it. We're good at the, the, the ideas and, and responding to problems and, and, and coming back with solutions. We tend to be not so good about doing that for ourselves. We tend to kind of get, again, quite quickly, as being one person starting out, get quite quickly, get busy. And you think, oh, this is great. I'm going to get busier, busier, and busier, and I'm going to be making good money, and I'll be successful, and all this kind of stuff. What you find is over time, unless you have a clear focus on what you want to do, and a clear business plan, and project where you want to go, a goal, and work out how to um, reach that goal, there's a whole different ways of, of doing that. Unless you have that, you're going to be running around like a headless chicken for your, the rest of your career. And that's what often happens is you become, you drown in your own success. So I would advise uh, several things. I would advise finding a mentor, someone that you really think is a person who could, um, who's been where you want to go, someone who knows um, how the world works, because sometimes when you're young starting out, you just don't have any idea. And even when you've been in business for a long time, you can still learn from other, other people who are kind of wise or been there, done that kind of thing. 
And the other thing is around um, get some serious, it may sound daunting, but get some serious business coaching. Uh, invest in having a, 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 a kind of an official uh, guide to help you understand business and help you to uh, put together a business plan, work out your values, work out all these things that were, it may sound like over the top and it may turn a lot of designers off because they're not naturally, their brain doesn't work in that, that way. But I would strongly advise, no matter how hard it is, how hard you find it, to, 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 to go through with it. And, and, and as a result of that, you'd be very clear about what your, the light bulb moment will happen. You go, oh my God, I'm not just a graphic designer. My business is X and my business is here to do X, Y, and Z. And it will help you enormously to be able to market that, to be able to articulate that into the market, which will be your point of difference and something which will give you an advantage and something that will help you and enable you to, to grow, you know? So, and there's whole, all kinds, I guess, I guess, um, you know, moments within your business lifespan that you'll need varying help in different ways. And um, I guess also to understand that for me, being really good at design, uh, I thought I could do everything. I thought there was just, I did the accounts, I did get the work, I did the design, did the artwork, et cetera, et cetera, did the presentations, the talks. Over time, it's quite a hard thing for designers to learn how to delegate to other people. You get so busy, you need an assistant. So you go, okay, I've done this all myself, I do this all myself, how do I get someone else who may not be, who isn't me, and may not think the same way as I do, but they're a pair of hands I need to utilize them, I'm paying for them. Quite often I found in the beginning that I wasn't even using them. They were just there making me coffee and doing kind of some um, very basic stuff because I didn't know how to delegate. I didn't know how to brief them in a way that would inspire them to come up with ideas beyond the ideas I had. There's a whole bunch of stuff that, that, that kind of goes on. But I think what I feel most excited about is actually I'm in control of my business as much as I possibly can be or I've ever been. Um, and I think even though as, as much as I know now and experience I've got, I re realize that you can never, nothing's certain, nothing's guaranteed. You need to, you need to be focused, but equally need to be agile and you need to be adaptable to, to the markets, to situations. You need to really focus, focus on HR, which is a term I hate, but it's something that's really important, which is your people are your best asset and your greatest asset. And that takes time to realize that. Um, most of us designers have egos from the beginning when we're at art college. And the team, growing a team around you, support you to, um, to do the work and to um, build relationships with clients, et cetera, is such, so important. You know? I believe in being as open to say yes, to be positive. So I believe in being, um, uh, having that kind of can-do attitude with myself and in my business and to ensure that, you know, we can tackle projects that are going to go beyond our expertise. Um, we can deliver with a positive and uh, professional kind of uh, outcome and experiences. And, you know, it's, it's the exciting thing about business is you continually can tweak it. You can continually kind of work on it and, and evolve it uh, over, over time. Trial, trial things, see if they work, if they don't work. It's not the end of the world. You can fix it, change it. Systemize things as much as possible because there's nothing worse than keep reinventing the way you invoice or reinventing the way you do your PowerPoint presentation or, you know, like, um, so focus on the things that really do make a difference to, um, to you, to you going forward. Hmm. There's some great practical tips right there. Sure. Um, in terms of mentors, how do you 
feel is the best way to get a mentor? Because I think the word mentor almost for those that have never had a mentor or potentially are just starting out may feel that mentors are somewhat unreachable people who don't have the time of day. Uh, I personally think mentors are almost uh, in life stages. So they might even be in segmented categories. So someone might be great for business to mentor me and it might only be for the next year or two. Mm. And then that relationship uh, is kind of all I've um, kind of gotten from that person and the exchange is made in however format, whether it's phone calls, emails, whatever. What's your take on, on mentors and, and how can people get them? I think my, my take on mentors is around kind of if you can work out what you need help with and then work out what mentor is best suited for you, you know, or if you need help working out what you need, what you need help with, yeah. find someone who's, who's equally uh, right for that. So I think that, um, you know, when I was starting out, I thought it had to be good at everything. I thought asking for help was actually a sign of weakness, which, you know, it's obviously not. And so you ask. Um, but I think it's really important. I got a, I got a naturopath, I got a, a bank manager, I got a financial advisor, I got a gym guy, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of people that I've surround myself with who are people who are experts in their field, who help make my life easier, who help me avoid making further mistakes if I can. And I just think you got to source out, ask around, be very, think about, okay, this is the issue I've got to resolve. And as soon as you even think that, you start to think about people. You start to go, okay, how am I going to solve this? Who do I know? Start talking to other people who may know somebody. I and mean, just begin to kind of be open to the idea that person will come into your life because you've already opened that door for that to happen. Hmm. I think that's some, what I've found. And just, just asking around and um, looking at uh, other people who have done things well that you're inspired by or you like their, you share the same values with that kind of person. And just, just nothing, go up to them and say, you know, would you be interested in being you know, my mentor, whether you do it mm. for free or whether you do it, some people would do it for free. Other people charge you, other people charge you a lot of money. Some people just charge you kind of a nominal fee or a free, you know, a lunch or something. Just work out what's affordable for you. And it doesn't have to be an expensive exercise. Mm. You just have to ask the question. Otherwise, if you don't, the answer will be no, <laughs> if you don't ask. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and even if it is no, then it's just like, well, okay, well, do you know anybody who, and quite often people will say, yeah, I know my mate down the road, he, he's this, he'd be, he'd be a cool guy, you know, he's your, more your age or what. And there's a whole bunch of, mm. just, just persevere. Cool. Makes a big difference. Now, what sort of clients do you typically deal with and, and what problems do they want you to solve? Uh, well, it's quite, it's quite a variety of, of clients, obviously, because of the, 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 the different type of work we do. More often than not, uh, the main thing is, I guess, a, a client will come to us with, with a problem, and that is, I mean, I see it as an opportunity, not necessarily a problem, is that they need to do something. They need to improve their communication. They need to launch something. They need to rebrand. They need to refresh. They need to start a business. So they come because they need the tools. They need, they need clarity put into their, their plan, their business plan, or they need to realize or visualize their offer into the market. So it's really about going, it's somebody else's idea. They come in, they have, okay, I, I'm launching this brand, blah, 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 blah. I need to have, I know what I've made as a, as a widget or as a thing or an offer. I need help in understanding how do I articulate that. So we go through a process of working with people with a strategic workshops around uh, getting to understand their potential, their problems, their worries, their desires, their goals, et cetera 
how their organization works, whatever scale that is, and how do we how can we help them to do it better? How can we help them to achieve the goal that they're that they're aiming for? So we go through that process um, with each and every one of our, our our clients. And quite often, what it is, it's a situation where they they may know all that information, but it might be a bit muddled. It might be a bit kind of lost and unclear. And we really help hold a mirror up to this organization, help them to see themselves um, clearly and simply to be, able to, to be able to kind of own that. It's a bit like talking about the business plan that we talked about earlier, you know, for a designer to work out a business plan. It's to put clarity into that complex situation so you can then know, okay, this is where I'm going. This is what we are. This is what we believe in. And this is the best way to, to achieve our, our success. Right. So there's no specific, you know, we do property, we do finance, uh, digital headquarters, wayfinding. It's, it's, quite, it's quite diverse. So, mm. But they all start with a, a need. Now, swinging the needle a little bit, uh, something to a, a little bit more uh, lighthearted, I guess. Uh, what's a typical day look like for you? Um, typical day. You're an early riser. Yeah, I, 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 I don't sleep very much. Okay. I, I, I find it boring. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I don't tend to switch off. I mean, it's, I don't, it's definitely not nine to five. I don't, I don't think that way and I don't want to think that way. What I do, I'm a human being. I'm alive. That's, I'm thankful for that. And I, I don't see the difference between work, home, you know, et cetera. So my typical day, I'd kind of wake up relatively early, you know, maybe at five or five thirty or something. Um, sometimes, well, when the weather's a bit better, it's a bit rainy now, but I tend to go for a walk or a run, um, which I like because it's fresh and you kind of get your, get your mind going. I got three kids, so often, you know, quite often it's like packing lunches and things like that. And then there's a kind of a time in between then and 10 o'clock where I kind of work on um, business. I work on ho at home on business kind of um, things I need to do, administration type stuff. And then I come into the studio and I have, you know, meetings and reviews and um, new business kind of presentations, things like that. And then I guess, you know, it's kind of an open-ended the rest of the day in terms of it doesn't really tend to finish, as it were, you know. I definitely don't kind of clock off at six. It's just, sure, yeah. you know, maybe I have further communication with, you know, an international client, you know, in the evening or you know, go out for dinner with my partner and my kids and stuff like that. So getting some, uh, some bre breakfast and dinner and lunch and all that in there or yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and we're, we're so lucky in australia and sydney to uh have such a wealth of uh, phenomenal uh joints we can go to for that mm. so yeah good always good. discovering new ones now uh when it comes to design education and the institutions at the moment it you know, is there any improvements do you think that they could include? I mean, you surely are interviewing a whole ton of whether it's interns or junior designers or creatives and, and whatnot. Uh, is there any improvements do you think design education institutions could make to help students enter the workforce more relevantly or more or quickly? Well, I don't know all these institutions intimately, so I don't know whether they're not doing mm. the things I think they should be doing. But I think that the ideal designer today needs to be more of a generalist than a, than a specialist. You know, I think that the designers have powerful minds. They're, they're, they're have the ability to solve complex uh, problems, situations. And I don't think they need to be media specific. I don't think they need to be just advertising or editorial or packaging or brand. I, th I just think that 
a, a smart thinker can tackle anything. And so, and so that's in terms of that point. And then the other point is around, you know, as I said in the very beginning, around understanding business. I know at the time when you're kind of 18, 20, whatever it is, going to design school, you're going, to the, you're going there because you're actually probably pretty, you're not so good academically. Um, you're not good at math. You're not good at that stuff. And it doesn't turn you on. You know, frankly, you just go, I just want to make stuff look great. Um, it's a way of finding of how do you make business look interesting and, and, and uh, you know, help, help designers, potential designers at that level, at that point in their career, see that that's integral part of life and integral part, integral part of business and very much a yin and yang between creativity and, and business. And I think that there's design schools here like UTS Business School have who've embraced that with their curriculum, adding uh, design thinking into their curriculum. So they're thinking that way. I think design schools need to be thinking the other way. We're bringing business into hmm. um, into design schools. And it's never too late to learn. So I think it's not like it has to be all worked out in the first three years of your course, understanding that it's an on learning is an ongoing uh, part of life. Hmm. How long have you been in, in the industry now? Would be a good, what, almost uh, 30 years? Yeah, would, would you say? Yeah, 25, yeah. 30 years. So, so with that, being on other ends of the fence from being uh, someone that is applying for a job and now being the owner of a business hiring people that are looking for a job, how, how do emerging designers or any, anyone looking for a job uh, get the attention of the employer or the decision maker, whether it be the creative director or, or, or not, in your opinion? Uh, I think be, be very clear, be, be very clear who you're approaching, you know, be understanding that you're approaching the person because you really want to connect with them, not just think of them as a, another business that I'm applying to. I think make sure you tailor your, and, and make sure you be very clear about that specific person who's relevant to, he's that person, he or she is a decision maker and do a bit of research around them and understand, really understand who you're targeting. So you make sure that you, you tailor it to that person. Um, nothing worse than a blank email or a, you know, not blank. I mean, just like <laughs> copy um, and paste. Yeah, type just of... like here. You, you know, sometimes you get them and they didn't even change the right name. This has got someone else's business name on there. I just throw those in the bin. I just go, that person hasn't even bothered to like, make the effort to work out that I'm not a design shop or whatever other company. My name's not John, <laughs> you know, and there's one thing. But I think be equally be very true to yourself. Show your strengths and weaknesses and be say, look, I may not be a fully quiet with this. I'm, I've all got, I've got experience in this area, but I'm keen as hell to make this work. You know, I really, really want to make this work because more often than not, we don't hire people on their skills. We hire people on their personality, you know, their, their determination and their kind of, um, overall kind of personal attributes and their values. And would you get that impression articulated in an email and then sort of quickly looking at their online portfolio and what their interests are? Yeah, it tends to be a pretty quick thing. You go email, click, there's a link, click. Wor worth looking at? Yeah, no, maybe. You know, you don't want to get filed. You, you, want, to, you, want, you want someone to go, yeah. When, it, when someone's good, when someone stands out, it's flicked around the studio and everybody gets to go, oh, that person's good, get them in or her and, you know. Um, if it's bland, banal, um, uh, if it's, you know, sometimes, I mean, we, I guess we, we know what we're looking for. That's the thing. Mm. I mean, other, other organizations, we're looking for something completely different. You know, I mean, you've got to find some kind of affinity and understand the potential in that person, see the potential in that person. Mm. I guess it goes back to your point about um, 
them finding a bit of background about who they're applying to, yeah. who they're speaking to, and at the same time that they're producing work that can be used in the business that they're applying for. Yeah, they should see themselves as a, as a mini business at that stage. You know, they're actually, they've already had their mini business plan, who they, what they want to do, who they want to go work for, which, which companies they want to go intern at for what, for what particular reasons, not just for random kind of scattergun approach. So now, I, think, I think that's really important um, to try to be as specific as you can at that young age because you don't necessarily know uh, how the world works, as I said previously. Mm. I also think that, you know, you say 25, 30 years I've been in business, and that actually is a blip. Like, it's actually, there's no time. Your career time period is actually phenomenally short, which makes you, makes you realize how short life is. When you're starting out at 18, 20, whatever it is, you think you've got the whole world ahead of you. Um, and you have, hopefully. And, and time is, is endless and time is not important. Um, and you've got plenty of that ahead of you. But really, the reality is that you have a very short window. And try to make sure that you um, understand that it's important to you to not get stuck in places that are terrible, that don't people, work with people who you don't like or working on projects, get, you know, get, you get, kind of get sidelined or you get in a situation where I've, I've seen it so many times people get stuck in a career or in a specific job because they didn't know what else to do or they didn't, they didn't have a plan. And that is the worst thing that can happen for a person because it just fills you with regret. And you, you, as a result of that, you haven't realized your potential. Yeah, I, I it's couldn't not agree more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, when it comes to interviews, what are the do's and don'ts that come to mind that candidates should be aware of? Um, don't look at your phone. <laughs> I'm just, just taking the time. Just, um, just look at the, your phone when you're in, um, over dinner with your partner. Yeah, no, don't do that either. <laughs> that, that ends in disaster. Plenty of people doing that these days. But I think it's really about, you know, focus, uh, be, uh, I, I, it's kind of hard. You get some people who are, come in who are phenomenally talented, who are very shy people. And sometimes at that young age, you don't have the confidence. You do have a lot of self-doubt. You haven't, you haven't matured as a person. So you don't really know how things work and how, you know, you're intimidated by sitting in front of a person who's been in business for 25 years. And I think the important thing is to realize that we're all people and no one's really going to eat you alive. And, and for you to present yourself in your best light, be you, be natural. It's so important to be you. Don't try to be your friend that you go to college with. Don't try to be, um, pretend to be some kind of rock star designer or whatever. Just be you. And people will appreciate that, and and uh, it, it'll it'll help the decision making around that as well. So be, you know, I think the thing is, when someone tries to pretend, pretend they're someone else, or they're better than what they are, or they're, you know, all this kind of stuff, it creates a kind of confusing kind of chemistry and confusion around the decision making, whether to take that person on or not. So present yourself in the best light possible. Uh, be focused. Um, show your enthusiasm, but don't fake it if you haven't got it. You know, and and make sure you get across how how keen you are to work with this person or work with this organization. People really respond well, and people say, "Look, I really, really want to work with you. I really want to. I would do anything to come and work here because it means so much to me." I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think that's often so obvious, but can be forgotten mm. when you verbally just make it clear whether you're, you're referring to them on the way out and saying uh i had such a great time thank you for the interview uh 
just to reaffirm, you know, I'm, I'm hugely excited um, for the potential opportunity. Yep. I'd love to work here. I think just saying that you'd love to work there is, is a oh, yeah. huge thing. We do it with our clients. Every time we meet a client, new client, we say exactly the same thing. We really, really want to work with you. And it's not just to get the money, just to get the work, but we, you know, the, the relationship already begin, is beginning there. The relationship begins with an email correspondence, with a phone call correspondence, with physically meeting before you've got the opportunity. You've got to understand that the relationship starts right when you've actually thought about contacting that person. And that's so important. Yeah. And I think when you're right, saying thank you and appreciate, being very appreciative about, mm. um, about that. Now, what type of person do you enjoy working with the most? Oh, what I want to add to that too. Yeah, go for it. Is it's a two-way street. So it's not just like a, a charity that we sit here going, you know, interns come in here and, and or young designers come in here, we're just going to give you an opportunity. We expect a certain amount back from them. It's a two-way thing. So if an intern's coming to the business, we really want them to be partaking in the work contributing to the work and and it takes a lot of effort when someone's quite new and junior to help them kind of get up to speed with how the real world works and how the projects work at a different kind of level so oh, i was going to say it's kind of it's not just um it's not e it's not like uh free labor or anything like that it's very much we're investing in them as much as they're investing in, in us great on to your next question yes <laughs> what type of person do you enjoy working with the most Uh, well, it's, it, I guess kind of that. Is it diversity? Is it kind of, um, you know, you, do you, would you like there to be people that are different, interested in different things, different cultures, different, uh, you know, a mix of, uh, I guess, ideas are beneficial to to an agency yeah all, all those things I, I think that the, the the thing i like the most is people who are enthusiastic i like people who share that kind of can do attitude who just want to get in and, and get busy and start doing stuff um i love that when someone just wants to jump on it they want to go oh my god this has got so much potential i want to help realize it i want to get in there and do stuff so that kind of um person i find whether guy girl whatever it is it doesn't matter to me it's just like it's just around that um Someone who can move mountains, someone who can believe the impossible is possible, someone who can think, you know, what if we can do this? I don't, I like people who have open minds and who are determined to um, find and discover the ultimate solution. I don't care whether they're in one specific, uh, you know, digital or, or environments or this, it's whatever it is, you know, that kind of person is really, mm. um, for me, a very appealing and, and very critical to. Um, our success uh, of finding those solutions. Yeah, very nicely put. Thank you. Uh, when it comes to idea generation, uh, how can someone accelerate their learning to to come up with ideas and to think about about ideas and solutions? I, I, well, there's 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 lots of different ways i mean like the key thing i think for me is, is being in an environment where you have lots of opportunities coming your way i mean i think that if you've got one opportunity it's actually harder to learn about ideas and harder to come up with a solution for that idea or that for that opportunity than it is if you have five or ten or twenty opportunities that are kind of coming in all the same time i, I find i have found it, it eliminates eliminates my um need to procrastinate because i used to procrastinate like like crazy because I didn't know what the solution would be for that one project. When a whole bunch of things start coming in behind that, 
it actually makes you get off your ass and makes you make decisions and it helps you um, move move forward with that kind of stuff. So I like, I think an ab- abundance of opportunities is, we're lucky in this country that we have those. Not everybody everywhere has that. But um, having a situation where you have, we, it just helps you kind of move and grow and, and, and take you to new territories that you never experienced before. So what was the question? It was on idea generation. I did, yeah. So yeah. do more. No, do more, uh, be less nervous, get stuff down, uh, be agile, think of the, not try to make things perfect from the outset. I know we try to, but the idea is start to start to put some stuff down and, and, and look at how you can improve on it as, as you go. And be, I think be that, comfortable with the first draft. Yeah. Sometimes the first thing you've ever, you've ever thought of is actually the best thing at the end of the day. You don't have to die the hour or the night before the presentation. Mm. which I thought for a long time you did. <laughs> I was all virtually dead for like 15 years. Now, a uh, few more questions here. What's the biggest mistake you've made in your life and how did you overcome it, whether it's business or career-wise or, or whatever? Anything that stands out? Yeah, I probably can't talk about it. <laughs> can't talk about most of it. <laughs> but uh, I think... th- third biggest mistake. <laughs> um. I think the thing, the, the mistakes I've made have been based on not fully understanding what I'm about to get myself into, not fully understanding a person, not understanding how that person worked or think, slipped into a situation without, uh, based on a tr- being attracted to someone or an opportunity, with, but without going, is this person the right fit for me? Is this person you know, I've just, just kind of, it just kind of happened. Yeah. I kind of, in situations where it just kind of happened, I tend to go, shit, this actually just kind of happened, but it's not necessarily right for me. When I've in a situation where I go, and Japanese Vogue was one, amazing opportunity, I was seduced by money, moving to countries, uh, the opportunity to be art director of a, of a fashion magazine like that was just amazing. You know, went back to the days when I was looking at Harper's, Harper's Bazaar as a young student on the shelves of a newsagent. I was enticed by the situation, but I didn't really think hard at what did that mean for me? What, what, was it right? Was it the right alignment? Was it the right timing, et cetera, et cetera. And I found out nine months later when I was fired that it, it, I was naturally going to be fired because I wasn't, it wasn't right for me. I didn't work it out in the beginning. I did not do the due diligence of checking to make sure that this is something which really felt right in my heart. You know, I was manipulated by you know, this idea of uh, money or all this kind of stuff. So I guess, yeah, I can't, I don't want to go into too many specifics, but it's so critical for me. And I've learned this now big time is around listening, understanding the problem thoroughly as much as possible. And then listening to your gut and listening to your intuition and Mm. believe in yourself. That's the only, if you know, if you say, okay, I've now researched this, I know it fully, I know the opportunity. Like we do with any project that comes to the door. We don't even know that project existed yesterday. It came in the door today, and now we've looked really deep into this project. We now fully understand it, so we can actually have a, a really well-thought-through solution for that, that opportunity. So the same with in my life, it's important for me to listen to my intuition and, and, and act on, uh, act on. that's my, my guiding mm-hmm. light. All of us have that. And when you don't, you screw up, I think. Looking inward and being conscious. Yeah. Yeah. But don't, don't be kind of like, 
uh, phased by it. I mean, I think the worst thing is to be kind of in that kind of no man's land where you haven't, you can't make a decision. And most often not because you don't know enough about, you don't know enough to, to feel that intuitive feeling that this is right or wrong yeah. at the time. Get rid of the vagueness and the ambiguity. Have you uh, got any favorite books that you would recommend? Anything That's comes to mind with, yeah. No one's talked about books for a long time. Mm. Bringing That's, them back in. old school. Well, they actually are steadily on the, you know, they, they haven't gone out of print. They, they haven't kind of um, stopped print. There's, there's more books produced now than ever before. Um, and I've got thousands of them lying across my, mm. across my house in piles because I haven't got any shelves worked out yet. But I kind of get, getting around talking about books in terms of... Any interesting uh, reads that you really enjoyed? There's a book called The E-Myth. It's not a design book, but it's about... Um, I call Michael Gerber, uh, created this organization called The E-Myth, and it's around... It's entrepreneurial myth. To think that people start business because they're entrepreneurial is a, is a myth. Great. And the reality is that people are good because they're a technician. They're good at something, and they start to get into business because they're natural thing for them to do so I, I found that there's a recent book i read which is, i thought was really interesting perfect e-myth by michael gerber michael gerber there's a, there's a whole bunch of other books i can't remember all the titles right now you throw me by mentioning books no that's i right. tend to buy design books you know dozens of design books not not so much anymore i used to mm. be just every day every week i'd be buying books because i was it was prior to the you know pinterest and things like mm. that where you just have this plethora of information the only way to see what's going on in the world previously was through through beautifully made and curated books. People actually made the effort to kind of, you know, cut out the crap and put in what was actually truly worthy of being printed. And and I that that part's kind of gone, isn't it? The kind of the editing process with the way that we just consume so much information. So I I yeah, I, I just mm. got I got lots of design books. Yeah, no, and, that's good. But but still yeah, I don't have any specifics right now. Now, if you were to travel back in time for 30 seconds yep. and talk to teenage Vince Frost, what would you tell him? Um, everything's going to be okay. You know, you'll get there. Um, uh, enjoy your hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, that's more. Do you want more? I could... No, that's good. <laughs> okay. Now, um, wrapping up uh, now, just a few more questions. What's next for you? Is there anything we can look out for? Um, you released the book yourself recently? Oh, no, that was Pen Penguin published that. Penguin, okay. Penguin Lantern. So that came out last November. I'm still in the process of um, uh, doing a lot of workshops and talks around Design Your Life. We're actually in the process of uh, going to be launching Design Your Life, the book in uh, Europe and in... Um, and New York State stuff in October this year. So I'm excited about that. Up to now, it's only been available via our website, which makes it very expensive for um, the rest of the world. And uh, working on the next book, which is much more around design your business. So that's the, uh, the, the topic of the next, next book I'm doing. Unreal. Now, where can listeners get in touch with you uh, online or, or on social media, things like that? Yeah, so you can go to um, the Frost Collective, frostcollective.com.au for the business vincefrost.com my personal website and, and connections there twitter facebook and all that is on that on that page designyourlife.com.au that's the book website and uh, defrost uh, 
frost.com so de-frost.com is our monthly talks that we do in the studio which is really cool live talks um which you can see kind of previous recordings of of the talks but also what's coming up as well perfect it's been such good fun with you uh vince thanks for having uh uh you know it's great being great to have you on and and uh for sharing your insights uh and uh hopefully we can cross paths again and i'm sure there's a lot to uh to see in the next couple of years to come yeah cool thank you so much i really appreciate it. it's been fun thanks vince cheers cool. mate cheers Thanks for listening, guys. That wraps up another cracking episode. Do check out Frost Collective and follow Vince online. And you would have noticed he mentioned at the end there something called Defrost, which is a series of free monthly talks hosted at the Frost Collective studio. Some news hot off the press is that I'll actually be doing a Defrost talk on the 27th of August. So if you're in Sydney around that time, check out de-frost.com to book your spot. Now a little teaser for the next episode, I have a guest from Southern California. He's a master in online marketing. We talk about blogging, the top three ways to generate more website traffic, how to get more done, and even how he dealt with losing $1 million at 21 years old. Yep, you heard right. So if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the giantthinkers.com mailing list, and of course, subscribe on iTunes. Until next time, be fearless, be hungry, and stay focused.